So that's why I've chosen to stay. Like I, I've chosen to stay because I love sales. I, I think that for young individuals that are in college or young, if they don't, if they don't know what their path is, like they should just go and work a job where they can make, you know, a lot of money because it gives, it, it provides options. And then sales skills, like whatever you end up doing in your life, like you're not going to, you're not going to re- regret developing sales abilities. We're always selling. Someone's always selling and someone's always buying. And if you can go learn sales skills, I, I believe you'll, your family will always eat. And so... Welcome millionaires and future millionaires. You're listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast, the show where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their portfolio allocation. Now to your host, Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Bell Podcast. This is episode number 327. Stace, how are you doing? Hey, you switch it up. I like I like how are you doing? That's a that's a less nebulous answer for me to less nebulous question for me to answer. Is that because you're worried about what's going on in your world right now? <laughs> well, I never know how to say how to respond to what's going on because we always report, record this on a Sunday night and then We've been together all weekend, so you know everything that's been going on. <laughs> but I'm doing all right. I'm just trying to mentally prepare for this week because it's going to be a busy one. It is indeed. In fact, uh, this week is the podcast anniversary, which we're going to uh, kind of celebrate that on Thursday's episode, which I'm pretty excited about. We'll get into some of the uh, background and the data and all the good stuff that everybody always asks and write about. But I feel like I just can't put on there every single week that we get questions on it so gonna do a bunch of little summing up on uh thursday's episode excited for that too i actually have my own surprises planned for thursday's episode so i wasn't even going to tell you that there were going to be surprises but now you know that i have surprises for thursday's episode Uh oh we'll have to find out what that is uh i was gonna start off a couple of reviews today this comes from uh that i'm not exactly sure how to pronounce the first part but he put it, or he, she put in quotations, the damager. So I'm just going to call him the damager. Said, I love this podcast. The people are so real and generally so low key about their success. It's inspiring, inspiring and educational to hear all of their stories. I do wish the host would ask guests directly about their parents' net worth, careers, and education. Because I think some guests are able to take risks or get educations because of their parents as a are a backstop for them, even if they end up succeeding on their own terms. Overall, great show, and I'm so grateful to be able to learn from so many others' journeys. Thank you, Jace and Stacy. Brings up an interesting point. In fact, I, I mean, granted, we'll get a little bit more into this on Thursday, but part of the reason the show even kind of really got legs and started in the first place was because of the sharing of of parents' net worth, and we'll talk about that more later. But I also wonder, it's not very complex. I mean, you had no idea about your parents' financial situation all growing up. No, my parents were very vague. In fact, I would say my mom, who I love my parents dearly, um, I think everybody does the best they can with the knowledge and resources that they have, but it was considered rude to talk about money. So that's kind of how I was raised. We don't talk about money. We don't ask. I mean, I would try to ask about things sometimes, but I always got shut down with like the oh, more than your allowance, you know, <laughs> so, you know, I didn't really grow up with a lot of financial literacy, if you will. I mean, we always had what we needed and, and lived a, a very comfortable life, but I, I wasn't really 
taught know a lot about about money no yeah and i think just in general that generation for the most part those in the baby boomers that they were pretty secretive about this stuff i mean it's crazy to even think they probably think this show isn't you know absurd that people even (laughs) discuss this and and are willing to share it but at any rate i think it brings up a good point maybe we'll try to hit on it a little bit more Uh, you know if any your parents granted I don't know how many parents or or people would say, oh yeah, I had like the backstops there no matter what. Cause I mean, I know some people, their parents are very wealthy, but the kids, it's like, nah, you're going to, I mean, they may not let them starve on the street, but they definitely aren't giving them anything. And on the flip side of that, we know plenty of people who, you know, essentially started off with either a house purchase from their parents or, you know, some sort of leg up in that regard or education paid for or whatever, what have you. So brings into interesting context. And I, I do think it can prov- provide some value, um, you know, as a background and whatnot. Uh, another inter- or another review came in from uh, Healing TD said, and this was related to specifically about the 18th Summers book, said, I enjoyed this short insight into the book. I've not heard it mentioned on the podcast, and I'm very grateful for the introduction to the book. Great ideas. And so needed in this age of technology. Appreciate that. Uh, I was going to read one more, maybe. This comes from Randy. Uh, this was about uh, our last uh, our last episode last week. It said, one of the more interesting episodes. Nice to hear something other than rental units. So, uh, appreciate that, Randy. Today on the show, actually, before we get into that, if you haven't heard your story or you want to be on the show, Send us an email, MoonersUnveiled at gmail.com. We're always looking for new, great guests and interviewees. In fact, I was going through kind of doing some review notes on the professions that we've had, and there are still several out there that, you know, I feel like we're missing or don't have quite as much representation on, uh, particularly those, you know, in in Fortune 500 companies or those that work in, you know, finance, Wall Street, private equity, uh, hedge funds, venture capital, et cetera. We have very, very few representat- or representatives from those kind of career paths and choices. Uh, also, we haven't had anybody, uh, particularly from, you know, blue, some of the blue collar industries that we had quite a bit at the beginning. You know, plumbers, electricians, uh, those that uh, you know are in home services, and uh, I know there's plenty out there because several of them are my customers, and we have several of them that we interact with but have not had uh had any of those on the podcast in a while and there's probably you know we haven't had a teacher on in a while either i was thinking about that the other day uh, especially as we interact with all of our kids teachers lately so anyway would love to have you on the show send us an email uh we're always looking for new great guests also if you haven't left a review yet please do so it helps us continue to grow the show and and uh reach great guests so today on the show, we've got Parker. Uh, he's barely 30. He's barely turned 30, so he became a millionaire in his 20s. And uh, yeah, he's in pest control, pest control sales, also is part owner of a pest control company now. So I guess a little bit of blue collar, but uh, yeah, great, great interview with him. Parker's a, a good friend of mine, actually, and I've known him for quite some time, and he has a good chunk of his net worth in in real estate. He's taken a lot of the sales money that he's made and put it into rental properties. But he also is a part owner of his uh, pest control company. So we get into a little bit of kind of how that works and, you know, trying to figure out the valuation of that and whatnot. So yeah, his net worth, you know, 
he probably pegs it between two or three million right now. Um, but and like I said, majority of that's in uh, in real estate. And uh, he, the other thing that's really interesting about him is he's also done some uh, angel investing. And so we talk a little bit about his angel investments, which I don't know that we've actually really had that many people on the podcast that have done any angel investing. So talk to him, uh, kind of how he approaches that as an investment strategy and and what that looks like. So without any further delay, let's get the interview with Parker. Parker, do you want to just give us about your background and what you're up to now? Yeah. So I, uh, me and a couple guys own a door-to-door sales marketing company. So we recruit college kids out of, uh, I live in Utah. So we recruit kids out of Utah and Idaho to sell door-to-door for us in the summer. So that's what I, that's, that's what, that's where I spend the majority of my time. And then, um, yeah, I live in Utah. We live in Saratoga Springs, Utah. I have a little boy and I've uh, been married seven years and and uh, stay busy, golf when I can and um, big sports fan. I, I, I love watching sports and playing sports. So that's a little bit about me. Nice. And what is your net worth today? Uh, two million, nor- north of two million. Okay. And what's the breakup of that? Mainly real estate. So I've, my path has, has been active income through sales and leading salespeople and then wealth creation and, and passive income through uh, investing in rental properties. So we bought property, started buying property in college. And uh, so most of our net worth is tied up in like two to four unit rental properties. And we lived in you know one of the units, lived there for a year, moved into the next one and did that multiple times. And so I just turned 30, but most of our 20s were made up of us house hacking, which is, you know, a strategy that has been awesome for us in in real estate investing. So of that 2 million, most, yeah, most of that is tied up in equity and and rental properties. And then I've got some other stuff going along with my business now and some stuff, but. And then ownership of the pest control company, do you put that in your net worth or not really? Hard to value. Yeah, that's where it's allocated. Hey, I hear you. You know, it's, uh, it's good to hear a business owner be realistic about the the uh, value of their business. You know, some people start a business and they get tears in like, oh, this thing's worth millions of dollars. I'm like, well, let me tell you, I buy businesses a, a lot and that one's not worth millions of dollars. <laughs> but, all right. So so you you got the real estate and then which is a good chunk in the net worth. And then we've got a little bit of ownership in, in your company, but young. So you don't put a huge value on that. And then no. some other. So let's dive in a little bit on the real estate. Yeah. So um in college, I would go out in the summertime in between school semesters and I would knock doors for a pest control company. And my wife and I worked hard, moved around a bunch, saved some money. I went and did that job with the intent to start buying real estate. I read a bunch of books young and decided that I that was kind of the vehicle that I was interested in and, and wanted to create some wealth um, investing in real estate. So at 25 years old, um, I had saved 40, 50 grand um, and we bought a fourplex on an owner occupied loan. So we put 5% down on a fourplex, lived in one of the four units, rented out the other three. And this is like as I was finishing up school. And so we were living for really cheap, renting out the other three units. And then um, honestly, like I just caught the bug. Like I just, I saw that this was a path that was going to work for me. Um, I can get into like all the all the things that I love about real estate, but basically we bought that deal and kept hustling, you know, my day job and earning active income 
And then the next year bought another deal. We bought a duplex the year after that and moved into the basement of that unit so that we could rent the upstairs and get more in rents. And then we, you know, we, we rented out the unit that we were living in, in the fourplex and just kind of started snowballing it. Like we bought between 25 and 30, I just turned 30 years old, but we bought one to two properties a year um, and just kind of aggressively used debt to grow and, and just kept acquiring real estate. And most of that's in Utah. We have some property, we have some property in Idaho as well, but I'm pretty bullish on Utah. It's where I'm from and economy is amazing right now and stuff. So yeah, that's, that's real estate, mainly long-term rentals and, um, in mainly in Utah. So how many, how many units or doors are you up to now? So we have 27 units. Uh, I, the place, one of the place that I own in Idaho is a 13 unit and I have several partners on that one. Um, but the other ones that are in Utah are, are ours. So nice. And, and at one point you lived in all of these, not all of them. You bought most, not all. So you bought some without essentially FHA or, or low money down. Yeah. No money down. <laughs> yeah, so wait, there's a there's a Mac, Mountain America loan, Mountain America Credit Union loan that I utilized the last the last two three years. I've done a couple of them, but they have a they well they had a, a pretty friendly um, interest rate on investment loans, and and you could put like fifteen percent down, even ten percent down in some cases. So anyway, I, I used a couple of those. So we house hacked the first three properties that we did. And then, um, and then, yeah, we stopped. My wife was going to kill me if I kept moving her into places. And so bought a home that's like our home. Um, and then, yeah, since we've just been doing bigger down payments, basically, and not house hacking, not living in the units anymore. I was just about to ask, how's your, your wife holding up? How many more can she go? <laughs> the answer is zero. <laughs> Yeah, she's done. I mean, I've just between summer sales and moving around a ton and uh and then our real estate path. Yeah, she hit a point where she was just ready to plant roots and I was too. Like moving around a ton is grindy. And so yeah, a year and a half ago we bought this home. We live in Saratoga Springs, Utah, and we plan on being here for a while and any investments that we plan on doing from here forward. Uh, we'll, we'll probably have to come up with some bigger down payments just because we're done with the whole move, move in the rental property strategy. So, yeah, I hear you. It's, it's one of those great tools when you're, when you're young and, and nimble. So yeah. at, at this point, you've got great income at, at working pest control and summer sales and all that kind of fun stuff. Were you thinking like, Hey, real estate's going to be my way to accumulate wealth. And I'm just going to continue every dollar that I make is going into a real estate property basically. Yeah, that that's definitely where my head was at um the last yeah, it's been there the last 5 6 years. Going forward, I think I'll keep buying property. I'm I'm really wanting to lean into like my active business and scale out our our pest control company now. And so that's like at the forefront of my focus, but yeah, that's that's been where my focus is and I want to continue I want to continue there. I I love real estate as a place to continue to deploy money into long-term. So that'll, that'll definitely be a part of my strategy. And no investments in the market? I had some retirement accounts and um, yeah, I just, I'm weird. I, I, I don't know. I, I actually paid last year, I paid some fees to pull some money out of retirement <laughs> accounts. Just I'm a big believer in real estate and all the wealth generators that come with investing in 
in, in real estate. And so I'm not super diversified, I'll be honest. And I have, you know, we have a lot of debt, but that it's good debt. It's, you know, it's debt that cash flows, every, everything that we own, you know, cash, cash flows properly in pencils. And so, yeah, no, no, nothing like that. I do have some, I, I've invested in like some small businesses. So like entrepreneurs that, um, needed some cash and, and gave me some equity in their business. And so I've done five or six of those types of deals, like companies out of BYU, which is where I went to school. And, and so that's been fun. Um, cause I feel like those deals have a lot of upside. They're also extremely risky and I will probably lose my shorts on a bunch of those, but yeah. So mainly real estate, a little bit of like small business, business investments, and then, and then my active company that um, I have some partners in and we're running that pest control business. So let's, let's talk about the real estate again, real quick. So do you manage all this yourself or do you have property management company at this point, given you have so many doors? So I managed, um, at one point I was managing like 10 to 12 units, the first, the first 10, 12 units that we owned and, and doing my day job. And it got just super grindy and stressful. And, you know, I was working my normal job and working seven, eight hours a day there. And then, you know, when it rains, it pours with stuff breaking down and stuff. So I'd go and look at something and hire someone. I, I was actively managing stuff for, for quite a while there, those first couple of years, because we couldn't afford a manager yet. Like, and so, uh, but now the, the answer to your question is I have, a, I have a couple different managers that manage all of my stuff. And so we don't manage anything anymore. So I have one manager that manages everything in Utah. And then um, our, our apartment building that's in Idaho, we have a separate, a different manager that manages that one. So it's, it is somewhat passive now, which has been a blessing. Like it's been so awesome. And those guys are in their keep, like having a property manager, if, if done right, it'll, it'll keep you in the real estate game because managing your own units long-term, like it's impossible to scale if you do that. So that's been one of my biggest things I've learned the last year or two. Yeah. So going forward, do you plan to continue to buy kind of these smaller multifamily units or do you go bigger and buy bigger complexes down the road? Yeah. So I doing this 13 unit deal, that's the biggest deal I've done so far. And uh, it definitely opened my eyes to the fact that like the numbers are what they are. And when you find a deal that pencils and it's bigger, like there's just more upside and it's more fun. And um, so I wanted, I want to go bigger. Um, you know, there's guys out there like Grant Cardone that are like, you should only buy real estate if it's 36 units or more or 32 units or more. And I'm not in that camp. Like I, I believe that residential financing is easy and, um, you know, and, and small deals, like you got to start somewhere and, and, you know, it's, a, there's definitely like an aim small, miss small. I've made some mistakes and had some hurts along the way. And if I would have started with massive deals and didn't know what the heck I was doing, like, dude, I, I could have been in some trouble, you know? So, but yeah, I want to, I want to continue to push myself and do bigger deals. This, this Idaho deal has been the best deal that I've done so far and it's the biggest deal. And so, yeah, I, I want to do bigger and continue to push myself within, within reason. I don't want to, I don't want to get over my head, but yeah. I'd like to. To, to grow and do bigger deals for sure. Do you have a long-term, you know, number of doors or kind of assets under management that you want to, that you want to hit? Um, 
I, I honestly don't. My biggest goal right now in my life, like for my career is I just want to get out of the rat race. Like I want to, I want my passive income, like, like Robert Kiyosaki talks about, like I want when you, when you get out of the rat race, it means that your active or your passive income is as much or bigger than your expenses, you know, to live. And so that's like my quest right now with my career. That's why I love real estate is it pays you every month. So that's kind of my focus. I'm, I'm focused less, less in terms of like how many units I have and more in terms of um, just what it means to, for my lifestyle. Like I'll be really excited when it, when I just genuinely feel like my lifestyle is completely paid for. I'd love to get to 50 to hundred units. And I, I, I do feel like it's possible now that I have a manage, some managers and a team that I trust. There was definitely a time where I was like, dude, I'm, I'm going to slow, slow the flow on this because I was managing my own units and, um, it, yeah, it was just stressful. <laughs> like I was at a breaking mm-hmm. point, but now I feel like I could go do it. Cause I've got assist, I've got systems down and a process that works and a team that can take over. If I go find a deal and take it down and get the down payment in. And like, I just, I have a team that I trust now, which is awesome. Yeah, no, that's great. So let's shift gears here. I want to talk about these small business investments. Pretty unique. We haven't had somebody I think that's done. I guess I mean in your in your mind, you consider it angel investing or a little bit more post angel yeah. investing? Angel yeah, investing? Probably angel investing, yeah. Okay. So why did you start doing that and and how has that kind of been part of your kind of strategy and portfolio since the beginning? So I had a mentor that was actually a professor at BYU that um just an amazing entrepreneur and honestly like his path to wealth was real estate as like a foundation but the other piece of his portfolio was like small business investments and i i think honestly for me like like i look up to him and he's killed it and so it's been fun to spend time and learn from him and learn some of the deals that he's invested in for me it's just like I want to feel like there's upside in deal when I go and deploy money. Like um, because real estate is so safe and it's so like get rich slow. <laughs> I wanted to have a portion of my portfolio that was allocated to like, hey, if this hits, this could change my life, and it would be it'd be like a rocket ride, you know. And so that's part of the reasoning. The other piece is like I, I want to go and invest in small businesses that I I'm like passionate about. And I think have a cool mission. And for me, I just, I don't know, like the stock market investing in these big corporations, like they're just, they're big companies that are already established. And I just don't really align with their, their, their mission, like what they're up to. And so, so I've done a couple of small businesses that are just like cool companies that have a really cool, um, you know, mission. I could share one or two of those if you, if, yeah, if you yeah. Want. I'd love to hear kind of your strategy well, around that. Well, one of them is called Sign Glasses, and they're a, they're a company out of BYU. Super cool technology. Um, the pain point is, you know, there's deaf people. There's a lot of deaf people in the world and in our country, and they sit in a classroom. And these schools and organizations have to hire an interpreter to stand at the side of the classroom and interpret for those students while the classroom's going on. And so the student has to like k- kind of have their head on a swivel and look back and forth. And then it also costs a ton of money for schools and, and, you know, and organizations to pay these interpreters because they have to travel to the school, pay them for their time. And so basically this, this technology is it's a pair of glasses and they're normal glasses, but then on the, in the corner of the screen, 
the interpreter can sit at home and see what you're seeing and interpret for the viewer. And, um, and so, yeah, it, it accomplishes this pain point of like the, the, the viewer, um, not having to have an interpreter there in person, basically. So they have this huge network of interpreters that just plug into the technology and interpret for people. And they're now in like planetariums and museums. They signed a deal with um, like the the Pro Football Hall of Fame, like at their museum. There's some there's some really cool um, deals that they've landed in the last couple years. And yeah, they're just a BYU company. And um, I have a network of of people that professor kind of has helped me get connected with some really cool young companies like them. And so basically you invest in them when they're valued at something. It's like shark tank, right? Like you invest in them with their, when they're valued at something. And, you know, I'm, I'm usually writing like 25 to $50,000 checks to these owners, which is super, again, scary. And I wouldn't do this if I didn't have real estate as like my foundation, but you know, let's say you invest in a company and they're valued at, a million bucks or whatever. And if they start crushing, it could be, you know, it's, it's, there's massive upside there. So super high risk and high reward type deals that just are cool young companies that have a lot of, um, and and again, I like to invest in companies that have a cool mission and, and there's a cool impact. So, and you said you've done five or six of these now. Yeah. Yep. And, and do you plan to continue to, to make some of these angel investments? Yeah. I think that once you once you've committed, you you kind of have to stay the course because it's a numbers game. It's like yeah, you got to invest in, in ten like, to get one to hit. Yeah, I got to put I got to put some uh, volume out there to to try to get a hit because that's how that's how the numbers work in venture and in angel investing. Right? Is like your your wins make up for all of your losses. Hopefully, time times ten. Right? Like yeah. That's the, Usually, I don't know. We'll see. I haven't had any exits yet, so I'm not. I'm no. I'm no expert here. Like, it, yeah. So I haven't had any exits yet. There's a couple of them. That sign glasses company being one of them that are looking really good. Like they've um, they've picked up some awesome accounts since I invested in them. And but then there's also some of the, some of the deals that I've done. You know, I it <laughs> it feels like they're struggling. So yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. Is is there any particular process that you go through when you evaluate me making that investment with these companies? Yeah, I lean on, you know, this group uh, that I rub shoulders with that's done a bunch of these deals. I lean on their opinions and, and stuff. And um, I mean, I don't want to just be like a follower and just, you know, oh, yeah, you think this is a good deal? Here's a check. Like I want to I'm, I'm trying to learn how to do my own due diligence and ask the right questions and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're looking for kind of inflection points, right? You're looking for companies that have some awesome things coming down the pipe and uh, have a fair valuation right now that doesn't price all that stuff in. And so, yeah, I mean, I think you're looking for, you know, uh, you're looking for um, the right people to bet on. Like that's a big one to, for me is just entrepreneurs that are hungry, that that will go and work hard and do everything they can to to help a company win. And then you're looking for a product that you think is awesome and a market that, you know, will go spend money on that, on that product or service. So, so, I mean, again, real estate for me is where I'm comfortable. It's where I spend 80 to 90% of my investable, you know, a capital that, that I have laying around that I want to go and invest, but it's been fun. Like I, I'm more passionate about deploying capital into smaller businesses than I would 
just the stock market. And I know that's kind of not super normal. Like I know that a lot of people would think, dude, you're like, it's like going to Vegas every time you write one of those checks, but that <laughs> might be true. But I, I don't know. For me, it's, it's a fun part of my portfolio. So. Hey, in Vegas, it's gone in a few seconds or a few minutes and this maybe oh. might take a few years. So at least you get some utility out of it. Yeah. <laughs> or it, it's big, like you mentioned, and it covers for every loss and it's right. a fun story. And I yeah. mean, it's some, to some degree though, you probably get to sit, you know, and, and see, you know, the business process, the startup process with several of these companies and what's working and what doesn't. And so, you know, there's some skills that you gain out of that by being an investor in some of these as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely true. I feel like there's some development and some learning that comes with just being along, along for the ride, you know? So, and they're not like active deals. Like I'm not like actively participating in their board meetings or in stuff, but like you get a report usually once a month or once a quarter from the owners. And like, it's cool to hear like some of the challenges that they're going through. And uh, yeah, it's like a front seat to, to some learning that, you, you just wouldn't get, you know, investing in the S&P every month, which again, like that's a smart investment strategy, right? But it just, it's, it's a fun piece that I, I like. So. Yeah, for sure. So let's, let's switch gears here a little bit and, and talk a little bit about your career and, and the sales process and whatnot. Why yeah. did you decide to go into sales and, and then why have you started, decided to stick with sales to some degree? Yeah. So, um, I, uh, when I started college, like I, I, in order to survive and pay for school, I started to work a job like most kids have to and realized, um, school is difficult. It was difficult for me. I was in a really, I was trying to get into a really competitive business program at BYU. And I just quickly realized like, man, I'm, I'm not going to be able to compete here having to work 20 to 40 hours a week and, you know, while going to school. And so in Utah, a lot of kids, because they served missions, they go and knock doors for service companies throughout the country in the summertime. Like a lot of people do that in Utah. And I had heard about it. I had done a mission myself and kind of got kicked in the teeth for a couple of years and was just like, well, I could go do that and probably make you know good money doing that. And so I went and tried it. And what I fell in love with was this idea of trading value for money instead of time for money. And that's why I love sales. Like to answer your question, I, I love sales because that's what salespeople do is they trade value for money and not time for money. And so I worked, I worked with a company and, and sold for them, ran sales teams for them. And then a while back, we kind of restructured our business and I bought into the business. And that move was kind of a move to say, like, I'm going to plant my flag and build something here and not just use this as a vehicle to make cash to invest in real estate. But it was a move to basically say like, I'm, I'm going to stay around and do this and build here long-term going forward. So that's why I've chosen to stay. Like I, I've chosen to stay because um, I love sales. I, I think that for young individuals that are in college or young, if they, don't, if they don't know what their path is, like they should just go and work a job where they can make, you know, a lot of money because it gives, it, it provides options. And then sales skills, like whatever you end up doing in your life, like you're not going to, you're not going to re regret developing sales abilities. We're always selling. Someone's always selling and someone's always buying. And if you can go learn sales skills, I, I believe you'll, your family will always eat. And so I love working with young kids and teaching them the importance of selling, the importance of hustling young and not choosing the easy jobs, but the hard jobs that pay better 
And then I'm always in my sales guys ears on investing, like start investing young. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today or yesterday. Right. And so and start investing young, like there's so much power to being young and being a high income earner. And so, so when it comes to my career, that's what I'm really passionate about is being in this position to influence salespeople. And, and, um, so yeah, I honestly, like it's grindy. Managing salespeople is grindy. It's like, glorified babysitting sometimes but <laughs> but uh but i yeah i wouldn't have it any other way like i believe we're built to expand and grow and do hard things and so i'm all about it so how do you teach and maybe some experiences that you've had as well being on kind of the the forefront of the sales and door to door sales industry i mean how do you endure the the grind of of sales in general of you know i got to hit this amount to get this amount that's then going to lead to a sell. That's, I mean, how do you go through that process? How do you mentally prepare for that? Give us some of your thoughts on that. Yeah, it is a numbers game, you know, like work ethic trumps everything, even the most skilled salespeople I've, I've honestly managed and, you know, hired and worked with probably thousands of salespeople at this point and that, that have worked at our company. And, um, I've just seen like work work ethic that the reps that get in front of the most doors like they they usually do the best and there's talented kids that are really gifted and handsome or whatever but like if they're lazy and they don't get in front of uh, a bunch of doors every day like they're just gonna they're gonna get beat by the reps that work really hard. There's a mindset like we at our company we teach the three things to win in door to door sales or really in my opinion any type of sales is. You need work ethic, you need mental toughness, and then you do need skill, like you need social skills. You need the ability to learn how to present and close confidently and on time. And so, yeah, I mean, it's 100 doors a day probably, and maybe 50 people come to the door. And then of the 50, like you're looking to close a couple of those. But if you do that, uh, it's amazing income, like way better income than most jobs will pay when you're young and before before you have a degree, you know? so. How how much does one expect to make from a sales deal like this? And you know, summer. I mean, I I remember I did a long time ago, but I was selling a product that I really believed in, but was probably in hindsight not a selling yeah. food storage. So right. <laughs> you, right. you chuckle. It's not it's not quite as lucrative as a you know dealing with with pest control or security systems or things that you know home automation things that are a lot more commonplace and you know, a lot more necessary in most people's eyes that they'll, you know, and it's easier sell to some degree. I mean, you sell them, when I was selling food stores, some of these packages were thousands of dollars. And so that's a tough tough sale. Yeah. Maybe may have saved some lives though. I don't know. Yeah. I, I loved the product and I believed in it and I did pretty, pretty okay at it. I mean, I made, made enough money, but in hindsight, I'm like, man, I probably should have sold pest control or security or something if I'm going to be be doing yeah. summer sales. <laughs> yeah, control it's not a it's not a huge ticket item, right? Like there's solar right now. A lot of guys are making a lot of money in solar. So we actually have a we own a pest control company and then a, a marketing company as well. And uh we actually have like a solar division within our business as well. And solar's awesome. It's it's big ticket item, you know, uh but it's yeah like pest control is a volume game. And the thing I like about pest control is you're usually going to, if you go out and knock a hundred doors, you're usually going to sell a couple accounts and similar to like sports, right? Like there's a, when you make a jump shot, like there's a 
there's some confidence that comes with scoring and like i like pest control because it's like a base hit game like just go get a bunch of them and there's wins along the way that confirms that you're not a crazy person like doing some job that's just impossible and uh so but to answer your question on earnings like 30 40 grand uh for a first year rep like i have a a a ton of kids this year that'll make that in the summer and our top earners make six figures like most of my managers that manage teams that have that are still in school are making six figures managing you know 10 to 20 salespeople in a market and selling some accounts there themselves and so yeah anywhere between uh you know 20 grand and 300 grand like honestly i have i have reps that'll make anywhere in that in that spread this this summer yeah, it's great money as a college student when you're working for three, four months and then right. going to school for the other eight, right? Right. Yeah. And and you don't, you know, it's not a career move for a lot. For, for, for most, it's a, it's a young man's game and it's a job you can work while you're in school to acquire some money to start investing young. But you can still kind of position for your career along the way too. Like I don't ask kids to be, come and be door-to-door career people, right? Like it's a young person's game. and but I do think it's an awesome fit for young kids that, yeah, like they need some money. They, they want to start making moves young. And I think I, my opinion is that too many people sit on the sidelines and wait too long to start to get in the game. Like they're reading self development books, all of their, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, dude, start making money and start learn. Like the best way to learn is to go and do. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a, that's a huge thing that I learned in my twenties. Like, I read a bunch of books, but then at some point, like I put the books down and I just started to go and do, cause I was just like, dude, there's, you know, there's, there's only so much information out there. You got to start to go and gain your own opinions and figure out where you're. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Where, I mean, target net worth. I mean, I know you mentioned you want to get to the point where, you know, from a lifestyle standpoint, you're out of the rat race, which a lot of people probably consider you owning a business as out of the rat race as it is. But I, I hear you on that in the sense that, you know, you've got passive income or income that's not necessarily, you know, active with your time all the time, Yeah, you know, covering, covering your lifestyle. But do you have a target net worth or, or that passive income goal that you're trying to hit that would cover that? I, I mean... I'm 30 years old. I keep uh, like, I I like five year increments, you know? And so right now I have a five year plan. Like I want to be working past 35 because I love work, but not because I need to. And I think, you know, for me, five, you know, five to 10 million bucks um, in net worth and in net worth and a bunch of that deployed into assets that pay, you know, probably real estate that pays passively. Like to me, that would be my number where I'm, I, I believe like I no longer need to work, but I, I can work because I love to hustle and stretch and grow. But so that's kind of where my head's at as far as just my net worth and like what I'm trying to go and accomplish is by 35 years old, that that's where I want to be probably 10, 10 million bucks. And like, just at that point, I hope we have a couple more kids. We have one boy, but I hope we have a couple more. And I really like uh, the big thing for me, my big why is I, yeah, I, I want to spend a ton of time with my family. Like as, and like, as I'm still young and have energy and, and I'm in, and my kids are in those years where they just, they, they need to have a dad that's like present and available. And so, yeah, from 30 to 35, I, I do have some, some big goals. 
Good stuff, man. Well, let's uh, finish up with some rapid fire questions. What's the most expensive pair of shoes that you purchased? Oh, that's a good question, dude. I, you would totally, this is probably not the answer you're looking for, but I have, I have some Nike dunks that are from this super sketchy site (laughs) called DH (laughs) gate and all my, a bunch of guys that work with me. In fact, some of them told me about this, but they look amazing. They're like, they look like normal Nike dunks, but they're like 40 bucks. So I bought like a ton of them. So but they're fake. They're fake, but they look real. (laughs) What do, what do real ones even go for? Like 200 bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're not, I mean, I don't have anything crazy, but they look like they should be expensive shoes, but they're not. Okay. That's it's kind of like the, the new style, right? I can't remember, I don't know, Prada or Gucci or whatever. One of those brands has a pair of shoes that look like they're like oil rubbed and like look like yeah. they came out of like the dump and they're like, hey, yeah. I'm going to charge you a grand for these because they're yeah, yeah. Yeah, branded. Yeah, <laughs> get for those. <laughs> All right. What about the most expensive meal that you purchased? That's a good question. Probably like Ruth's Chris or some steakhouse like that. You know, we're big sushi lovers. So we, we, we probably eat sushi more than we should. Uh, but you know, Ruth's Chris, you go out and eat at Ruth's Chris and you're probably 200 bucks in if you do it right. Okay. Uh, what about the most expensive trip or experience that you've paid for? Most expensive trip. Um, I took my wife to Europe a couple years ago and uh, I did my Christian mission in Bulgaria. So we went back to Bulgaria and then uh, we went to Italy. Anyway, some cool, some cool spots in Europe. So that would probably be the most expensive trip, you know, four or five grand. We actually did it for we were four or five years ago. We were still, we were really careful. So we try to do it for a reasonable number, but that would probably be it. We do a trip every year for our company. And I, it's more than that, but I kind of, I, I like don't count that because, uh, I don't know. There's like a business purpose to it, you know, it's a sales so, trip, right? Sales trip. So you yeah. get a little, little ROI there mixed in. So you can't really count that. <laughs> all right. All right. What's a key lesson you learned from childhood? Oh, that's a really good question. I, I played a lot of sports growing up and, uh, dude, if my kids don't want to work in high school, but they want to play sports, like sign me up for that. Cause I think kids, kids learn a ton playing sports. And so, yeah, like I, I think sports in some ways can be like life's university for, for young kids. Um, as long as they're not surrounded by like complete punks, but you know, in, in actually in some cases it might be good. Like it's, it's good to just interact with all types of people, good people, bad people, competitive people, people that are soft, you know, like, uh, sports were awesome. And I, so I played golf, I played basketball, I played young, I played football, baseball, everything. And uh, so my, yeah, my childhood was a lot of sports. And I think I, I honestly think I learned a lot of lessons from that. Nice. Uh, what's the craziest thing that you've ever done to earn money? Hmm. Probably knocked on random strangers doors and sold them things because <laughs> that's what <laughs> I with my career. Like it's, it's like, all the time. It's like the least sexy answer when people are like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, you know, or like, how'd you get your real, how'd you go buy properties? And I'm like, I honestly went up to random homes and knocked on their house when they were watching their show and their, you know, they were playing their game and eating their meal and tried to get their time to sell them something. So I would say like the weirdest thing I did was what I, it's, it's like, it was my bread and butter. Like it was like, yeah. Door to door sales is kind of a unique beast. So that would probably be it. I'm not totally sure. 
I, I definitely throughout my whole life, like, especially since, since starting college, like I've, I've always looked for opportunity to buy and sell stuff online. Like I would go and buy a washer and dryer. I did this a couple of times. Like I had a truck and I'd go buy a washer and dryer online for a cheap price and drive around it with it in my truck bed and list it and try to go make, you know, a hundred, 200 bucks on, on the margin between what I bought it and sold it for. So I've done stuff. Like I was kind of a hustler. Uh, I, I don't do a lot of that stuff anymore, but yeah. Okay. Just buying and selling on, online. What's the most fun that you've had with money? Dude, I love golf. So I, I love I, like a golf trip. I, we have, I have a group of friends and we go on golf trips and I love that. Like, I love being with my family. A close number two would be being with the boys playing golf. That's where's the best place you've gone and played. I've been to abandoned dunes in Oregon. It's amazing. Some cool Vegas courses. I've played some cool California courses. I played spyglass, which is like uh, one of those pebble beach courses in California. Played some Hawaii golf, some, yeah. Nice. Mostly like West coast some cool some cool spots dude golf is slept on in utah utah has amazing amazing golf like you go to california and you play a course that has like power lines over your head and you know <laughs> you, you hear the buzzing from the electrical like and you're 200 bucks in you know and utah like you're in the mountains it's absolutely gorgeous it's like a nicely taken care of course and it's like 50 bucks plus the so, ball flies farther so you feel better yeah. <laughs> your ego feels better because in california you strike a driver and you're you hit it 200 yards yeah but good yeah. stuff uh what's a closely held belief that you recently changed your mind on wow that's a really deep question closely held belief that i recently changed my mind on and i feel like i need some prep for these jace these are like deep deep questions i don't know honestly that, that that's a, you probably stumped me with that one I, I don't know that I, I mean, a lot of my beliefs, I don't, I don't know that I've changed a ton of beliefs lately. Like I, I feel like I'm just kind of pushing on beliefs that I have. Um, maybe I should spend more time and, and zoom out. Sometimes I need, I feel like I need to zoom out a little bit more than I do. Um, I like to stay just locked in and just kind of grind. So I'll think on that. We'll take okay. a lap next time we, we, we talk. Any, any tools or books that are critical to your success? Yeah, I do. I do read. I love to listen to um, to books. So yeah, the the Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker is an amazing book. The Fearless Mind by Craig Manning is another book that I love. Atomic Habits, love that book. It's like, in my opinion, one of the best books on the on the streets right now. And then I love yeah podcasts. Like I, one of my biggest tips that I get people is like turn your car into a into a you know, into a classroom. Like I, I'm always listening to podcasts and stuff. I love your podcast. Honestly, I listen to, I listen to yours. I listen to, I'm um, because I'm a real estate guy. I listen to bigger pockets a lot. It's a really awesome real estate podcast. And then there's a couple other like influential people in Utah that have really nice podcasts that I listen to a lot as well. So nice. Last words of advice for somebody who's just starting out. Yeah. So learn, earn, save, and invest. Like that's been my path is like, get educated, get educated, learn, figure out what your vision is, where you want to be earning again. Like go, I would, if, if, you know, if someone were my brother or someone that I was just like, dude, this is what you got to do. I would say like, go find a job where you can trade value for money and know your worth and hustle and grind. And your twenties, 
I just graduated from my 20s, but your 20s are for grinding. Like it is for, my opinion is that your 20s are not for just sitting in a classroom and reading books. Like it's for getting out and acquiring some cash to get started. Like go start making moves and investing. And, and, uh, and then, yeah, save, save, save your money, be careful, deploy money into smart places and start young. Again, that idea of like the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. I think if you start, if you start young and I know there's, you have listeners that are of all ages, but start, just start now would be my, my biggest thought. And money, money and habits compound, like go, go choose today to find that if, you know, do, do the things that move the needle today. And I think a lot of times we underestimate where we can be in five years if we will just keep hammering. We, we overestimate what we can do in one year and we, uster, we underestimate where we can be in five years. And so set goals that scare you this year and work your hardest to go and achieve them. But even if you don't, I think like you'll be where you want to be in five years or, or past that. So um, that's been that's been my path. And then um, actually, dude, I, this is like, I'm sorry, I'm like scatterbrained, but I just had one last thought I wanted to finish with. And I, it, it kind of answers your question that I, that you stumped me with is remember that, um, like I'm, I'm kind of a workaholic. I work a lot and I love to work and I love to see myself grow and develop and like money and in your career. And a lot of times there's a leaderboard and like you, you can go chase it, right? Cause you can see it. Don't lose, don't lose sight of like the important things along the way. Like that's some, that those, there's some hard lessons that I've had to learn there. And I'm luckily, I have an, a wife that's super forgiving and loves me. And, but like, I would say, yeah, like don't, there, there's more to life than just money. You know, that would be, that would be a belief that I've changed lately. It's just like, I, I, uh, if I'm worth 5 million less in a couple of years, but it means that my kid freaking loves me and I, I win at home, like that's everything to me now. So I have goals that scare me and they're definitely big and I love, I'm excited to go chase them. But a belief that's probably changed for me lately is I just don't want to lose my family along the way and the important things along the way. So awesome. That's Parker with a net worth of two and a half to $3 million. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast with Jace Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website, millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.